If I were to tell you that the last book of the New Testament is not Revelation, what would you think? In many scholarly circles, there is a conviction, a belief, that the book of Revelation is actually not the final historical book of the New Testament. That, in fact, the last book that was written and included in the New Testament was, in fact, the book of Hebrews. Um, the book of Revelation, along with the Gospel of John, the three letters of John that were written to the churches generally, those five books by John, of which Revelation is put at the end, were really likely written sometime earlier. The book of Hebrews, because of many factors, its, um, its faith, its clarity on Old Testament connections, um, and also some of the Themes about perseverance, especially in the face of persecution, those themes seem to fit later in the first century. All of that simply to say that these final chapters, 11, 12, 13 of the book of Hebrews, are opportunities for us to think, what if these are the closing sentiments of the apostolic age. These are the last words and testaments of those first eyewitnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. These were the um, words that were the, were the final things the coach would say before you take the field against the best team in the conference. These words of Hebrews are not to be easily passed over. And in fact, the repetition that we'll see here uh, again in Hebrews chapter 11, this repetition of by faith, so and so did such and such, by faith, so and so did such and such, is to become a mantra of our own design, descriptive of our way of Christian living in this 21st century moment. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, some of the people whose faith is being chronicled in these verses, some of these people you may not know all too well. These stories that are referenced from the Old Testament, you may throw your hands up and say, now wait a second, where was that written? I, I've never heard of that particular person or that particular story about that person. Um, as we make our way through, my request is that you overlay the themes of persevering faith that you hear read over you today. That you overlay your faith on these people so that as they were encouraged to walk strongly in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you too may walk strongly in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in. And maybe if you want to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, you will pick it up here at verse 17 with these words. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith 
that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies." Some of those stories you likely recall, maybe from early days in Sunday school or vacation Bible school, some of those stories may be a distant memory or recollection, some of those stories wholly unknown. But the thread that connects one story to the next to the next, not just for the people in the Old Testament, but for people who have followed God for all time through all centuries and millennia, is this single phrase, by faith. By faith, we reject that the world, as we sense it with our eyes, nose, ears, mouth, the world as we sense it is all there is. Rather, as was mentioned in this text, by faith, we believe in a God who cannot be seen, who is invisible, but nevertheless, who is acting to bless this world each and every day of our lives. And to the invitation is that we would add our lives to this chorus of faith. You probably have a litany of individuals in your own life who have spoken or transmitted to you the faith, the kinds of which we just read here in Hebrews chapter 11. You probably have stories of parents or teachers youth directors or directors of Christian education, pastors, friends, maybe even people that you've watched on TV as so-called televangelists, and yet somehow you learn not just about what they did on television, but you learned about the lives that they led and the challenges that they faced down. And those people who lived by faith in their own ways, became a testament to you to live by faith 
in the way that God calls you. You know, the matter is, the fact of the matter is, that no matter how you get there, the goal is for each of us as followers of God to always be able to say, today, I'm living by faith. It may be seemingly inconsequential. By faith, I woke up and ate my post-toasty cereal. By faith, I woke up and I had my chocolate chip pancakes. That's for my son Connor, by the way, who every morning has a chocolate chip pancake. By faith, I got up and I drove to work. By faith, I conquered giants. I summited mountains at work with my family. Not inconsequential things like cereal or pancakes, but things that life and death depend on. Faith is sometimes centered in small things, inconsequential, seemingly irrelevant things. Sometimes faith, as you know, is um, moving mountains. The fact of the matter is we are all called each and every moment of our day to live by faith. We falter. Abraham had his moments. Moses had his moments. Rahab, the prostitute, certainly had her moments. Jacob... Esau had their moments. You can't read the Old Testament and read the history of each one of those characters that I just spoke of that are so esteemed here in Hebrews chapter 11 only to go back in Genesis and Exodus and realize they had their moments where they did not live by faith. They submerged themselves in the stuff of this world. They gave themselves over to sensual pleasure. They surrendered themselves to worldly riches and financial gain. No, they're not perfect. But that's what faith does. It perfects the imperfect. It baptizes the worldly and qualifies you and I, them as well, for a heavenly reward. We asked at the beginning of this message that our thoughts and our words would be acceptable in the sight of God who is our rock. But he's also our redeemer. And this redeemer is one who redeems us from the submerging, surrendering that we do in this world. He redeems us for a world that we have yet to realize. The world that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, the children of Israel, even Rahab, a prostitute. A world that they longed for. He redeems us for that world. He does it through his death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus Christ surrendering, submerging himself into the most alien thing for God, God's son to experience. He submerged, surrendered himself to death on a cross so that you and I so that you and I can live by faith in that sacrifice and in confidence that he has called us to be his own and that we will see God face to face. This invisible God, at the end, will become visible to each of us. So, brothers and sisters, I don't know who brought you to the dance. I don't know who has been the one which gave you the example of by faith. But here's what I know. There are eyes right now that are watching you. They may be little ones, your grandkids or young children. They may be friends or family, co-workers or fellow citizens. They are watching you.
And they're wondering, what is this faith that you live for? Live your life today in such a way that somewhere down the road, someone could write, maybe in your obituary or in a eulogy at your funeral, this is a person who lived by faith. By faith, they ate their cereal, enjoyed their pancakes and coffee in the morning. By faith, they summited mountains and stared down giants. By faith, they put their head on a pillow at the end of every day, living in the confidence that Jesus Christ was their Savior and Lord. By faith, by faith, by faith, they rejected this world and accepted the kingdom which God had prepared for them. Which God prepares for you. Amen. And now, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus, that you may live by faith. Amen.